Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for the Miami Dolphins, or should I say welcome back to Perfectville, because it has been a long summer break for myself, Sam Marcoux, and of course, the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Colon. Chris Colon, if you're there, how the hell are you, my friend? Man, I just did a Ric Flair uh, strut in my seat as you did that. Like, I just felt fantastic. Thank you for throwing that in there. Yeah, you know, I uh, I'm getting better about uh, just accepting the fact that you are a two time Hall of Famer in Perfectville's Hall of Fame, and I am a no time Hall of Famer in the uh, Perfectville Hall of Fame. And uh, I was on a, a another podcast by Slainer. Shout out to Slainer, who is actually a, a longtime listener here and longtime citizen. Slainer. And uh, he's got a show called uh, Fins Up, Fans Down, which they actually take a look at old games and old Miami mm. Dolphins games, and they rewatch them with today's perspective. And I was on the show actually last. Week, so if you guys haven't checked it out, check them out on uh, iTunes and all the other places you can catch uh, podcasts. But uh, they had mentioned as I was talking about you and what it's like to watch a game with you or just be around you, Chris <laughs> Cullen, uh, when a game is going on. And I'd mentioned your name, and they stopped me and they actually corrected me, Chris. And they said, "Don't you mean two-time Hall of Famer, Chris Cullen?" Oh you t- and I my was like, guys. Fuck these guys! Fuck Mike and fuck Noah for uh, for calling me out on this bullshit. But apparently, uh, we have some legitimacy with our own Hall of Fame that we made up because people are correcting me quite literally all over the all over the country. I should say uh, when it comes to introducing you, Chris Cullen. I feel like I'm Dwight Schrute. I'm an assistant to the regional manager. Like that's my title, but I'm super proud of it. But that's awesome that they uh, they remember to call. They called you out on it on their show. That is fantastic. Those guys, I owe them a beer. That is that is fantastic. Yeah, I just I almost want to have a shirt made up that just says two time, two time on it. You know what I mean? Like just twice on the front and nothing else. No other reference and just our logo like on the top by the neck and the back and just see if people get it. But uh, I'm not going to spend that money. Butt fucking fumble bob. Butt fucking fumble bob. I'm still waiting, by the way. I only got one entry when I asked for uh, our, our citizens out there to give us entries for the butt fucking fumble bob t-shirt design contest if you guys actually have that out there send it our way you can find us on twitter at perfectville pod instagram perfectville podcast you can like us on facebook perfectville podcast on facebook as well as email us perfectville podcast at gmail.com which we got an email here recently chris and i wasn't going to start the show with this uh because there's a couple things we do need to talk about uh pertaining to this show but uh since we're talking about the, the email account we might as well this comes from thomas roberts and thomas roberts actually that the the heading on this says Mike Gasicki, and it says, "Come on, guys! It's pronounced Gasicki, like G, kind of like the word gun. Then the word sick, emphasized and followed by the word key. You know all three parts. Let's get it started right. And I think this is in reference to the fact that I say a Marku keep calling him Mike Gasicki, and apparently it's pronounced Gasicki. And uh, you know what? I think it's Mike Gasicki's fault for having such a shitty last name. And we're Dolphins, Chris. We can't get anybody's tight end. We can't even get." The wide receivers' names right by our own professional announcers. Uh, I need to reference nothing more than Rich Camarillo uh, catching that ball <laughs> from Cleo freaking Lemon. I mean, it's Greg Camarillo. This is a lifelong Dolphin tradition. We uh, butcher the names of the players on our teams. 
Sam, it took me a, a good part of two years to get German Bushrod's name right. Like, I just could not get this guy's right. Um, and yeah, Jasicki, uh, that's funny. What Thomas Roberts emailed us. I guess we found his alternate account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This <laughs> what is, a generic uh, name that is. I mean, come is, on, Mike. Is there somebody with a name Gasicki? You'd think, uh, you'd come up with a little bit better name, fake name than Thomas Roberts. You know what, though? As somebody who has a silent X in his own last name, meaning me, if I had to come up with another <laughs> name, it would be like John John the third because like <laughs> you get sick of people just butchering it so yeah it, it is kind of weird that thomas roberts email address comes from pen.edu but uh <laughs> <laughs> but no uh so apparently our apologies generic email at hotmail.com <laughs> yeah yeah exactly apparently uh we've been butchering our rookie tight end's name since the start of him being a rookie for the miami dolphins but uh, we'll get it right so thank you thomas roberts for getting it right for <laughs> us and helping us be the better perfectville that we can be and speaking of being a better perfectville if you are listening to this and you have been listening to us for a long time, you notice that it uh, probably sounds a little different in that uh, we've got new theme music right at the top there with some drums and uh, a little bit of a Perfectville intro commercial. Chris, what do you think of the new intro? Love it. Love drums. My dad's a drummer. Um, so shout out to him. He never listens to my show. He doesn't support me. But um, the <laughs> drums, yeah, awesome intro. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, we got, we got the new intro going. We had some new segments going. This is kind of like a metamorphosis for Perfectville here. We uh, we crawled into the cocoon in early uh, June. Look at that rhyme. And have now sprouted from the cocoon with a new pair of beautiful wings. We have turned from a caterpillar into a butterfly. The show is bigger and better than ever. Uh, not only do we have new theme music, we have all new equipment. Both Chris and I uh, had the unfortunate task of... Um, admitting that our equipment sucked and we had to yeah. upgrade our com- our commitment and our uh, equipment actually and then on top of that uh we also have new segments that we're going to be introducing throughout well forever i guess so uh I- i'm looking forward to it chris this place is going uh perfectville has annexed some land around the town of perfectville has now turned into a full-blown city here and uh, i'm looking forward to uh, what we got coming up down the pike here for the for the for this show and for our citizens yeah, we got to uh, we got to evolve. We have to progress. Um, the market's hot right now, and we had to just turn a couple of uh, parcels of land into opportunities, and we're growing the show. So that's that's what we do, Sam. We we, we can't just sit here and settle and and be the same old thing. We have to uh, we have to entertain our fans, and, and that's what we're that's what we're doing. And that's what we are doing. And you know what? One of the things that we are doing that's new is something that we should have been doing from the beginning. And shame on us for not doing it from the beginning. Uh, But it's how every football game, whether it be high school, college, pro, doesn't matter. It all starts this way, Chris. And that, of course, is the coin toss. Unless it's the XFL. Well, of course, the XFL, they started with just like a brawl, like a knife fight or whatever the hell happened in the XFL. I don't know. Like in a pool hall and whoever like comes out alive gets to choose to kick or receive. Yeah, what they did is they tied the two people together by one wrist and they gave them a knife and then they played Beat It by Michael Jackson in the background and they had a big knife fight dance thing. That's how the XFL started every game. But more traditionally, and we are traditionalists, if nothing else here, Chris, as you know, um, fucking liar. Anyway, uh, it starts with a coin toss and uh, we're no different here. So this is how this is going to work every single episode from here going forward. Chris and I will each propose a topic to start the show off with. Chris will have one. Sam will have one. We'll throw it out there and then we'll throw it up to chance. We'll uh, we'll literally flip a coin and we'll see what happens. Heads or tails, depending on what Chris calls, uh, will let us know how we're starting the show off and uh, how we're finishing the show with those two topics. So, Chris, do you have your topic ready for the coin toss? And if so, what is it? 
I do, and it is uh, exciting. Sam, we're we're close. We're a couple weeks out. Um, the Miami Dolphins official Twitter page is tweeting out videos and uh, all these cool things of, of players mic'd up and stuff. You, you can smell it in the air, Sam. It's getting close. Uh, it's almost like it's holiday season, uh, but it's almost football season. We're almost to August. Training camp starts in a couple of weeks, and I am excited. My topic for the coin toss is going to be what you're looking forward to in camp battles, position, position by position. Position battles, that is a great topic for us to talk about. Are we going to start with that or are we going to start with mine, which happens to be the topic of will Stephen Ross make a change if the Miami Dolphins have yet another subpar season? It would be year three of the mm. Adam Gase regime, and Stephen Ross being the guy who he is, sometimes maybe waiting a little bit too late to pull the trigger, is he going to go back the other way and maybe pull it a bit too soon in some people's eyes? So those are our topics. What happens to Adam Gase and the Miami Dolphins staff if we do not succeed the way we think we should? And uh, training camp battles coming up, position battles. So here we go, Chris. Heads, you get to pick. tail, Or actually, you know what? You get to call heads or tails. So uh, I'm going to flip the coin. You call. I, I apparently don't know how heads and tails work with flipping a coin here. <laughs> you're, tradi- uh, you're a traditionalist. I, I, am a tradi- <laughs> I am a traditionalist in that I traditionally don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, but here I, uh, I have green. a coin. It is it. Yeah, heads or tails. Green. All right. Uh, welcome to the new and improved Perfectville. We don't know what we're doing. We've completely fallen off the rails. And usually we do that to the end of the episode, but we're getting that out of the way now early. Anyway, I have a coin here. Heads, tails. It is a quarter. The quarter is actually from uh, year. Oh, shit. They stopped printing the year on the quarter. That's how new this really? quarter is. Yeah. Oh, no. 2012. They put it to the back. It used wow. to be in the front. So this is a quarter. It's a genuine quarter from 2012. It's got the, the what it's on the back here. It is for the great state of whatever the fuck. There's a parrot on the back. I don't know. Whatever the back of a quarter is. Oh, Puerto Jimmy Rico. Buffett? It's a Puerto oh, Rican yeah. quarter. This is about the only thing to survive Puerto Rico in the last year. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Is this quarter. <laughs> Good God. Um, I have a quarter here from 2012, Chris. I am going to throw it in the air. You're going to call heads or tails. Whatever wins uh, will let us know. Where we're going from there. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, the quarter is on my thumb. Here we go. Tails. And wouldn't you know it, it is tails. You called it after Tails never fails. But it was still spinning, so I'm going to go ahead and let that count. So it is tails. So are we talking about your topic first, or are you deferring to the second half of the show and starting with my topic? I love how you said I waited until it's spinning on the ground <laughs> while you're walking across the country for me, and we are not on the webcam. Like I cannot see that quarter at all. Um, but yeah, Tails never fails. I called Tails at one. Let's start with my topic. I oh, like it. Sh- shocking. The one that you nominated is the one we're going to start with. Well, it is your show at this point, so why don't you go ahead and introduce that topic, and let's get going with the uh, first half of the show here, Chris. Yo, when the two-time Hall of Famer calls tails and tails lands, you got to just go with your topic, right? Go with your gut instinct. Sam, I'm excited for training camp. I know we talk about this every single episode that, um, and every year, really. You know, training camp, everybody gets excited. Everybody's O and O. There's a lot of things to get you amped up. Of course, we um, always kind of teeter on being safe because you don't want to get too excited because we always get our heart broken Sam we all we all know how that goes uh, but it is an exciting time there's a lot of new pieces from Robert Quinn to the new receivers coming in with Landry gone to Tannehill being back uh, Sue we need to find his replacement of course Minka Fitzpatrick our first round pick and our tight end Mike Gusick E um, mm. coming in I mean Sam these training camp battles are crazy what's the one that you're really looking forward to yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think the one that I keep 
you know, because there are so many that are out there. There's so many things that I want to keep an eye on, whether it be Rashad Jones, you know, and, and everything that he's got going. Cam Wake, can he keep it going? Who is going to replace Ndamukong Sue? But the one topic that keeps coming back for me uh, really is this wide receiving core. And mm. you take away Jarvis Landry and you take away a massive, massive percentage of production off of this team. Uh, you replace him with an Albert Wilson the second. You replace him with a Danny Amendola. You have Devontae Parker, who has yet to live up to the hype or that number one uh, draft pick status that he had a couple of years ago. And then you have, uh, really, uh, bizarrely enough, the guy who is kind of a specialist has now become uh, kind of the the grizzled vet for the Dolphins wide receiving core, which is Kenny Stills. I mean, he's the most consistent Mm -hmm. thing that we have right now. So uh, a lot's been made about the lack of talent in Miami, all the talent that has left, be it Jarvis Landry, Ndamukong Sue, Mike Pouncey, et cetera, et cetera. But I am really interested to find out how is this wide receiving core going to work? Because I don't know if we have a true number one. So there is a battle for that number one spot. Uh, Who is Ryan Tannehill really going to gel with? Who is the person that's going to step up and be that person that says, hey, you know what? Ryan Tannehill needs a first down. The team needs a first down. I'm going to go get eight yards on a third and seven and make it happen. That's what I'm more interested in. Sam, that's such a great point. Uh, Wide receiver is so intriguing to me. Uh, Recently, the Miami Dolphins released on Twitter, and I'm sure the other social media pages, but uh, Kenny Stills, uh, Albert Wilson, and Danny Amendola were mic'd up. And it was really interesting to see about a three- to four-minute video uh, these guys go through training camp uh, plays, talking to high schoolers that were invited from a local high school down in Miami, uh, and just kind of hear them talk. Danny Amendola was asked by one of the referees. Obviously, these referees travel to training camps and um, help them during their practices to give them a game feel. And Amendola has worked with this guy in the past, and the referee asked him, hey, how do you like it down here? And he said, uh, it's great. I like it a lot. It's a great group of guys. Uh, so he was really excited about it. But I thought it was really cool, Sam. There was a point where uh, Amendola dropped a very catchable ball across the middle. And it cut maybe a minute later. They're doing like this back-and-forth kind of flashback thing. And uh, he's talking to Tannehill on the sideline. He's apologizing profusely. He's like, dude, I'm really sorry. I always catch those. Um, I, I turn my head too quick. My fault. And Tannehill, of course, you know, it's like, oh, no big deal. We'll make it work. But it's such an interesting dynamic to see these new receivers, especially someone like uh, Danny Amendola. Albert Wilson, sure, he played with Alex Smith. Amendola played with Tom Brady. And he played against the Miami Dolphins twice a year, every year for his entire career. So to see him come in um, and know he has something to prove, and he's still trying to build that chemistry with this new quarterback, and that's obviously very important to him. He got very mad on the sidelines when he made a mistake. Like he is a perfectionist to the T. So to see that and hope that rubs off on guys, Kenny Stills being uh, mic'd up, Sam, he he's definitely taking a big leadership role. You can tell that um, his off-field um, stuff that he's, that he's very uh, is very important to him, that he's been involved with, has, I feel, led him to uh, be open more, talk more, and really control things. And with Landry gone, he's able to be that voice. Um I'm super excited about the wide receivers, man. That's going to be dope. Um, I, I'm really excited about the the linebackers. Um, you know, you, you got uh, McMillan coming back. Kiko Alonso's there. Um, we draft the guy from Ohio State, uh, Baker, Barker, I think. Um, and, and this kid's fast as hell. Um, first, second round grade a year ago. Stayed for his uh, senior year. Uh, played with McMillan. Uh, Raekwon's coming off his injury. There's a lot of talk about him rehabbing with Ryan Tannehill. 
we've just added an insane amount of speed. Um, and we also got that draft, the guy we, we traded a draft pick for, Stephon Anthony. Um, so there's all kinds of question marks there. The linebacker crew has been a big, big question mark for us for a while now. Uh, so I'm really interested to see Matt Burke in year two and these uh, these young, fast guys at linebacker. Yeah, it really is uh, interesting to see, like you said, the linebacking core in general because it has been remade over the course of the last couple of years. And it is Baker. It's funny that uh, we finally got Gasicki right, and now we're going to call him Barker instead of Baker. Um, <laughs> but you're right. Uh, Jerome Baker, Raquan McMillan, Kiko Alonso, the, those players here, they're, they're going to be here for a while. They're a young core. They're fast. They're versatile. They can get, a, they can move up and around, uh, which is really what we're trying to do. We're trying to have more playmakers on defense, especially at the linebacking position, and people that can actually cover tight ends down the middle of the seam, which has killed the Miami Dolphins forever. Mm. So uh, we've talked about this before. We're going over through the draft in terms of getting versatility, getting those pieces that can play safety or cornerback in some cases, or in this case, uh, you know, being a, a a, a three-down linebacker or maybe even a specialist that just is covering the pass. So I tend to agree with you, actually. I think the linebacking core is going to be an interesting shakeout as to who's going to play and where. Um, going back to the wide receivers, though, just to, right now, looking at that, you just talked a lot about Danny Amendola. Uh, is he your pick to be the go-to wide receiver for Ryan Tannehill, or do you have somebody else in mind that's going to step up and be the quote-unquote number one receiver? Yeah, that's tough. I, I think Amendola is the obvious choice when you think about uh, what Jarvis Landry did with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback, um, catching the most balls out of anybody in history in the first four years of their time in the league, and the very majority of that was coming from number 17. Um, but what Landry did was work the short game, work the middle of the field, uh, fight for the hard yards. You mentioned something about um, who's Ryan Tannehill going to throw it to when you need eight yards on third down. And yeah, Kenny Stills is there. Yeah, Albert Wilson will be there and Parker as well. But Danny Amendola, that's like the name that comes up to me. That's the face I see. That's the number I see that uh, did it to us for years, Sam. We saw it on third down. All we had to do was make one stop, get off the field, and this little fucking guy always burned us. So I'm hoping uh, maybe it's that um, victim syndrome or something where you've seen it for so many years. You're like, cool, now it's our turn to take advantage of this and uh, keep drives going. I really just think that Ryan Tannehill is going to be forcing the ball and all the practices that were open to the media in the very beginning of training camp or or mini uh, mini camp uh, was that Ryan Tannehill was very much favoriting uh, Danny Amendola. Yeah, and that's my pick to, to, to at least start the season as the go-to right. target or the number one wide receiver when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if Danny Amendola will be the guy at the end of the season, be it because he gets injured or just because he finds somebody else on this team, be it uh, our rookie tight end, Mike Kosicki, or maybe somebody mm. else like an Albert Wilson or uh, a maybe, maybe, fingers crossed, Devontae Parker. So yeah. if I had it my way, it would start off with you know Danny Amendola being that calming influence, being that veteran who's one, who knows how to get it done, who has has the right work ethic and then over time it sort of like transfers over to an Albert Wilson who is a prized free agent for us in the wide receiving core or a Devontae Parker who has all the physical tools uh, who just hopefully can put it together now that uh, you know Jarvis Landry isn't gobbling up all those passes so uh, that's how well, I kind of see and it Tannehill had out. a great chemistry in 2016 before he went down with injury Ryan I mean uh, Parker was really lighting it up Tannehill was throwing it up getting the ball uh, in certain situations this might be just exactly what he needed yeah, no, I agree, and that's that's where I kind of hope it goes, and I think if it goes that way, um, it's probably going to be the best for, for, for us as fans, for us as the citizens of Perfectville, and for the Miami Dolphins in general. Um, any other position battles that you uh, are looking forward to when it comes to the Miami Dolphins and training camp and preseason? 
Yeah, this is kind of a curveball, Sam, but uh, it's two positions, but it's rookies. Uh, it's it's the very much mentioned during the show, Gesicki um, at tight end and Minka Fitzpatrick mm. uh, co- covering him in practice. I think they're going to push each other to be better. They're both uh, top-tier talent, first, second-round picks. Um, Minka is brought in here to be that guy to help us. You mentioned it. We need help covering the tight end on the seams. We play in the division with Rob Gronkowski, Charles Clay, these guys that can do very athletic things from the tight end position that normally causes big-time mismatches. To get him out there, see what he can do, uh, open to the media, open to the fans. I'm excited to see the reports of it, Sam. Uh, we have heard already from some of uh, his teammates that Minka has uh, by far and away led the team in interceptions during the mini camps and the practices that they've had so far. Um, he just gets his hands on the ball. And uh, Gasicki is one of those guys that is a mismatch nightmare with the size, his athletic ability, his combine numbers were off the chart, no matter what position it was, especially being at tight end. Uh, I think that's going to be a battle of camp is those two guys, both being rookies, both trying to prove themselves, um, both trying to earn their keep. And that's going to be one of the funnest things to watch the entire offseason. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we talked about the wide receiving core. We've talked about the linebacking core. We talked about some of the rookies when it comes to Mika Fitzpatrick and uh, Mike Kosicki. Uh, one thing that's noticeable, because it's usually at the top of my mind, um, is the offensive line. And mm. neither one of us, it's not priority number one right now. And I'm wondering why that is. Are, are we happy with the free agent moves that we did in terms of bringing in some grizzled vets who can be anchors on this line, as well as some of the young talent that we found last year through attrition, really? I mean, we had so many injuries that some people were forced to play that we otherwise weren't really going to be uh, comfortable playing, uh, and now they're going to be battling for uh, playing time. Um, what are your thoughts on the offensive line going into training camp? Are there is there any position there along that line that you think, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that? Or are you feeling pretty solid with the moves that we made and uh, trusting Adam Gase and his offensive uh, mind uh, to make this work through scheme? Yeah, for the first time of us doing the show, Sam, I feel okay about the offensive line. It's so weird. Uh, for the two years that we've hosted the show um, and created it, our offensive line has just been shambles. It's been Dallas Thomas. It's been Billy Turner. Um, it's been so bad that we literally created awards named after the horrible offensive lineman that we had on our team. That's true. Get, getting Ryan Tannehill killed. And now we're sitting here and we get, bring in Josh Sitton. Uh, we bring in Kilgore. Uh, we we got um, Tunzel is is like another year uh, veteran into his left uh, tackle role. It, it, I, th- I feel good. We, we're getting um, um, our right tackle back who was doing very well before injury, uh, even though he has no eyebrows. Um, still was doing doing very well. Um, I, I feel good about it. It's, it's odd. Like um, Kilgore, our center. Uh, did really good things when Jimmy Garoppolo came in. Uh, he had a bad passing, pass blocking grade before he stepped up, but it's probably due to the fact that the quarterback held, held onto the ball too long. We talked about this before already in an episode, but I think Ryan Tannehill um, is the type of quarterback that you're looking for. Uh, that's why Bill Belichick likes him a lot. I think Travis, our, our former uh, partner here on Perfectville, had came out and said that uh, Josh Darlington uh, mentioned that if Ryan Tannehill, some reason, was released from the Miami Dolphins. The New England Patriots would be the first team to call him. Bill Belichick loves him, um, and that's because he gets rid of the ball quick. He's good on uh, short and medium throws, and that's what Garoppolo does well as well. Also, and Kilgore 
shined when he had him at quarterback at center. So I feel really good about our interior line. Uh, Josh Sitton is just like a grizzled vet, like you mentioned. Uh, Tunzel and, and, and the other guys coming back, even like a Jesse Davis and Sam Young that got yeah. really good um, experience last year. That's just nice to have. I feel so much better even about our depth uh, than I did any time since hosting the show in a long time as being a fan. Yeah, no, Jesse Davis is the one that I was talking about in terms of people that we might not have felt comfortable with, except for the fact that we did see them play last year and they flashed and Jesse yeah. flashed a little bit. Uh, so him being in the guard uh, mix, I think, is going to be uh, a lot of fun. But I agree with you. I think there's actually some depth there. There's some veteran uh, leadership and there's also some youthful exuberance that uh, if it pairs correctly, if it gels the way we think it could gel, uh, it could be a special, special unit provided that injuries do not occur. Um and then the last battle that uh, I'm surprised, I think we've buried the lead here, Chris, but uh, the battle that might make or break our season, which actually might bring us into our second topic of the day after the break, uh, is, of course, the kicker. <laughs> and uh, we have ourselves a huge... Why are you laughing, Chris? It's important. No, it's dead serious. You're right. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. so... Candidate number one, which um, I believe is his actual name, is going up against candidate number two, um, which is his nickname. It's not his his actual name, but he goes by <laughs> candidate number two. That's what he likes to be called, and you know we respect everybody's name here on Perfectville. Um, who do you got in this battle of titans? Future two future Hall of Famers going for one job, uh, candidate one or candidate two? Do you think that the seventh round draft pick is going to beat out the undrafted free agent, or do you think the undrafted free agent has something that uh, might give him a leg up, pardon the pun, on the seventh round draft pick? Do you remember uh, playing baseball video games and uh, Barry Bonds would not allow them to utilize his uh, likeness? Correct. So they always created um, like these fake ridiculous – I think I remember playing MVP baseball and uh, the player was – his name was Anthony Freeze. <laughs> um, just like this black guy with a gray beard for some reason, like they just wanted to shit on him, make him old. Um, that's our kickers right now, Sam. They're just generic, uh, can't use their likeness, create a kickers. <laughs> like it's just, um, really funny that we let Cody Parkey leave and he's going to go quick in a windy city. And now we're sitting here with a camp battle air quotes, um, from a seventh round draft pick and a undrafted free agent. Uh, now, Kickers are a diamond dozen. You're not going to draft them in the first or second round unless you're the stupid-ass New York Jets. Um, but really, if this guy can come in and just be accurate and, and, and kick field goals and make the 30 to 45-yarders and every once in a while surprise us with a crazy 50-yarder, great. That's all we're asking from him. You know, I, I really hope that the Miami Dolphins have a sense of humor and when they trot – onto the field for their first preseason game you see everybody's new jersey you see fitzpatrick and you see Tannehill, and you see all these people and their last names are on there uh with the new updated unis and then for the kickers it just says kicker one and kicker two like i don't even <laughs> want to know their name until this bullshit is over with in my opinion obviously we don't know even know the kickers names it doesn't matter at this point because i don't even think either one of these kickers is going to be our kicker at the end of the year uh we just think it's funny that we've got a seventh round <laughs> draft pick and an undrafted free agent battling 
for the position that down the road, like how can we be mad if the playoffs are on the line and we trot out an undrafted free agent who happened to kick a little bit better than the seventh round draft pick and then he misses a 42-yard field goal? Like, can you be mad at that guy at that point? He's an undrafted free agent. He's a kicker. It's not like we spent any sort of money or resources on this position. Like, I, I, I don't know if we can be mad. Like, if he makes it, we're like, wow, like he actually did what uh, he, he, he was supposed to do. But if he misses it, it's like, well, he did what he was supposed to do. He's an undrafted kicker. <laughs> do you think Darren Rizzi gets pissed off at Adam Gase for stuff like that? Like, you imagine, like, your wife comes home and she's like, hey, could you make me an amazing meal? Here is a can of tuna fish and ketchup. Like, that's it. Can you make dinner? Thanks. Like, he's expected to do something, and his job might possibly be on the line as a special teams coach. It might not all he can work with. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me if by the end of the year, Darren Rizzi's our actual place kicker as well. Like, I mean, that's how <laughs> that's where this position battle is looking like it's going to end up. I mean, out of all these things, you know, we're so excited about all these different ways that we reshaped it. And then I look at our kickers and I'm like, huh. Yeah, what just happened here? Maybe Adam Gacy's doing that meme where he points to his forehead. He's like, you don't have to kick extra points if you uh, go for two every time. Maybe he's just going to go for two every time. It's, it's like, you know, when you're getting ready to go on vacation, and you're like, okay, I've got the kid, I've got the clothes, I've got all this stuff, and then you get all the way to your destination, and you're like, I forgot underwear. We forgot to pack underwear. We yeah. forgot to get a kicker. That's what we did. We that forgot happened to, get- to me last year. Sam, that happened to me. I drove from Charlotte, North Carolina, got to Georgia, which is about uh, four hours away. And uh, stopped at the gas station. I had left my wallet at home. Ah, and my lovely. brother, thank, thank goodness, my doorknob has a, it's a it's a code, not a key. So my brother went over. I gave him the code. He he uh, overnighted me the wallet to the hotel. That luckily let me check in without ID, even though it was uh, under my name. So yeah, it was a clusterfuck, and that's exactly what happened. I I literally Cody Parkied my wallet. Uh, well, there you go. Cody Parkey, we miss you. And uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit about why that might be a move that costs Adam Gase his job right after the break. All right, citizens, it is halftime here at Perfectville, which means you have time to go get yourself another beer, go take a leak from the last beer that you drank, and then think about all of those awful stories you're going to have to go shop at when you're done listening to this. That's right, shopping. Nobody wants to do it anymore. Long lines, loud kids, smelly people in front of you. It sucks. That's why I do my shopping at Amazon.com. And you can too. All you have to do is go to WelcomeToPerfectville.com, click on the Amazon link, and get all of your shopping done with just a click of a mouse. No hidden fees, no extra charges. But by clicking on the banner on our website first, you help out your favorite podcast and keep the lights on in the town of Perfectville. And all you got to do as a citizen of Perfectville is go to welcometoperfectville.com, click on the Amazon.com banner, and do all of your online shopping from there. Hey, you can even order more beer. Lucky you. All right, now back to the show. All right, Chris. So we talked a lot about training camp and uh, the different positional battles. And of course, the the class of the Titans, like we referenced earlier, when it comes to the kicker battle, obviously the most important <laughs> battle in not only the Miami Dolphins, uh, but just the entire NFL. I think there's going to be page ra- on NFL Network. That's all they're talking about. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be just round the clock coverage when it comes to the kicker battle. But uh, we also have another topic here that I introduced, and it's something that... Uh, I wanted to bring up now I want everyone to keep an open mind because this came from the Sun Sentinel and we all know who works at the Sun Sentinel that of course is Mr. Omar Kelly and uh, this is an article that he wrote and it talks about the fact that in year three of the Adam Gase regime if the Miami Dolphins don't have the success that I think not only Stephen Ross expects but Adam Gase the fans the players uh, 
is it time for Stephen Ross to think about another regime change? Um, now, in the past, Stephen Ross has always been maybe a little bit uh, delinquent or maybe a little bit late in terms of making a change. Uh, but what are your thoughts here, Chris, if uh, Ross, who at this point in his career as an owner, is 76-84 and 84 with two playoff berths in his 10-year run, uh, has not won a playoff game. This is one of the richest men in the world. He's, he's used to success. Uh, Stephen Ross has not had a ton of success when it comes to the Miami Dolphins as an owner. Um, what do you think should happen? What do you think might happen to not only Adam Gase, but Chris Greer and Mike Tannenbaum if we have yet another lackluster season? That's such a tough thing to um, to assume because if you think about it, Stephen Ross, um, he brought in Gase. Uh, he brought in Tannenbaum. He's his like, buddy. He, he brought him in. Uh, Chris Greer is a longtime former scout, head of uh, director of scouts, now our GM. Uh, Stephen Ross, he, honestly, he should cut his own head off if that's the case. I mean, mm. he's the one that put these together. Uh, so – I think he's going to sit there at some point. There's a pride in a man that's going to say, um, give them the time to make this work. Um, what what else is he going to do? Is he going to bring in other people he trusts and things like that? Like he's just going to keep con- constantly going through uh, a cycle of, of what we've done already since Shula left, right? It's Jimmy Johnson, it's Dave Wanstead, it's Cam Cameron, it's Joe Philbin. It's just over and over again just – we're excited. We get the next young guy, the best guy. Cam Cameron was the Chargers offensive coordinator. That guy could not coach men. He could not be a head coach. Nick Saban uh, is better controlling children. He can't handle adults. Adam Gase seems to fit the bill of what you want from a head coach, a McVay, um, a, a, just a smart coach, a McDaniel that was a very hot commodity this year that almost got the Colts head coaching job where he can control guys. He's doing his own thing. He's not afraid to pull the trigger and get rid of Landry and cut Billy Turner and cut Dallas Thomas. He's able to do those things. Um, And honestly, you can't really – we're rejudging. So year two, right? There's been two years. Uh, One year was playoffs um, with this quarterback. Year two, he loses Ryan Tannehill in training camp. Like that's now. That's in like two weeks. We are like literally hard knocks is about to start. Preseason game is within weeks. Um, that's a tough pill to swallow. You can't really judge them that much on that. And we still had moderate success, you know, with Matt Moore and we bring in Jay Cutler. Like, what, what are you going to do? Um, so year three, say, what is that line, Sam? What would you say would be the line where even Stephen Ross would have to even think about making a change? I think you have to give at least three seasons before you can even have that conversation. You know, I think it's really tough, especially with what you just outlined, um, to to say Adam Gase is a failure or a success at this point. I, I think given a full season with Ryan Tannehill, his quarterback of choice still, um, under the helm with an offense and a team that, quite frankly, Adam Gase has said in the three years that he's been here is the one that is closest to his imagination um, to date – I think this is going to be a year for Adam Gase to prove that, yes, I belong to be I belong as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. But what's kind of interesting is, you know, I'm wondering, is is it a full blown sweep? Let's just say the bottom falls out and the Miami Dolphins go, I don't know, five and eleven. Do you get rid of Adam Gase, Chris Greer and Mike Tannenbaum or do you get rid of one or the other? What if it boils down to it's either Mike Tannenbaum or Adam Gase? Which way does Stephen Ross lean and why? I mean, my gut tells me he would lean towards Mike Tannenbaum, but at the same time, Mike Tannenbaum pretty much used this entire offseason, as Omar Kelly said in his article, to redo all the moves that he did two years ago when he was right. doing all this stuff. So, I mean, Mike Tannenbaum has kind of, 
without saying it, mentioned that he has made some mistakes and he is here to correct them. Chris Greer, uh, yes, he's the head of scouting and, and now the general, you know, the, the general manager. He hasn't had a player that's come in so far, not even Laramie Tunzel, and and made that impact where you go, that is a superstar. That is who, you know, I put on my resume going forward. But he hasn't really failed either. I mean, he hasn't had any major failures when it comes to, you know, drafting high. Uh, Raquan McMillan, I think, gets a little bit of a, um, uh, I, I guess, a, a little bit of, of a injury. pass because yeah. of the injury. Yeah. So I don't know if Chris Greer is necessarily the problem either. Or is it Adam Gase, you know, coming in as this offensive guru? Yes, we lost Ryan Tannehill, but we haven't had that offense really click to the point of being a top Top 10 offense, highly prolific like we expected it to be. Now, this all goes away, of course, if we go 11 and 5. But if we go 5 and 11, does Stephen Ross fire everyone and start over? Because in years past, he's been accused of hanging on too long to Joe Philbin, hanging on too long to Tony Sperano, and just doing all these things wrong. So something tells me that the pendulum would swing back the other way. And I think Omar Kelly might be right. We might go, wow, three years, that's not enough time. But it might be a little bit too early. But for Stephen Ross to go, you know what, I'm not going to sit back and have another four years, five years of failure and continue to be a losing owner. Um, I do think that this might be a year for Adam Gase, Mike Tannenbaum, and Chris Greer to prove themselves in the eyes of their owner. The only way I can see him getting rid of Adam Gase is if Jim Harbaugh called and said, I'm done with Michigan. I want to be your head coach. Wouldn't that be a weird, I mean, man, where does Stephen Ross's loyalty lie? I mean, at that point, does it go back to the University of Michigan where his name is literally on the school of business? Or does he say, yeah, that's fine, as long as you come coach my professional sports team? That that would be an interesting conundrum. It would be uh, interesting. And and honestly, I think Adam Gase has done uh, a, a very big, powerful move, Sam. And we both work in corporate America. We understand how things work. Uh, the best thing Adam Gase did, I think, is come out and say he's finally getting his guys that he wants to run a team. So with him saying that and getting rid of Landry and drafting who he wants in the draft this year, he literally just reset his time clock. He said, hey, look, the last two years I took you to playoffs with guys like I I walked in on I didn't even I didn't even like. I didn't even, I didn't even like. Uh, year two, injuries happen, whatever. Year three, I'm finally getting to work with what I want. I'm running the offense I want to run. I've got the coaches in place that I need. Now here's my time where I can build this. And Stephen Ross is going to have to look at him and say, what am I going to do, fire him? He, he, he walked into uh, the Joe Philbin era and had to work with those monkeys and in and, and, and that circus and it wasn't even his and now all of a sudden he finally has his pieces in place i, I can't fire him after one year he, he took us to the playoffs one out of two years so like what am i supposed to do but i can see where the trend has kind of uh faltered a little bit where steven ross uh what was it sam like maybe two years ago when we started the show he was like married in nandamak and sue there's no way he was getting rid of him and now it's like he just signed off on it like it was no big deal um, to cut him, to cut him, to completely cut him. No one was going to trade for him. Um, he is changing his ways a little bit. He's starting to learn how to be an owner in this league. So nothing would surprise me. Of course, it's the Miami Dolphins. Nothing would surprise me. But I just feel like Adam Gase has earned the right at least to um, get a year or two fr- additional from year three to really uh, prove if he's a head coach material or not that we want. The thing that surprised me the most about this article is the fact that the Dolphins over the last 10 years are only 76 and 84. I mean, yeah, that only, sounded pretty all right. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, that's that's how we are as fans. We're like 76 and 84. That sounds OK. Like, what's wrong with that? I mean, it's only we are eight like games constantly under- eight and eight. Like, that is just that's it. That eight would be the worst forever. 
that would be the worst thing to happen to this team this year would be to go eight and eight in my opinion oh, eight and eight yeah. or nine and seven and miss the playoffs because at that point you really are like okay now what are we are we as good as two years ago are we as bad as last year or is this who we are as Bill Parcells would say your record is who you are um, that would be the worst thing I don't I'd rather almost have the bottom fall out or or just be super good and make the playoffs but going eight and eight again is like kissing your sister and that'd be at that point I don't even know what Stephen Ross can do other than maybe go and kiss his sister because uh, that would be just the worst possible spot for him to have to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, going eight and eight would, like you said, like it's like kissing your sister. Like after everything, uh, 10 Hill coming back, um, Adam Gase in year three, like that just, uh, that wouldn't be good at all. That would, that would cause, I mean, it'd be good for our show. We'd oh, have yeah. a lot to talk about next offseason, but um, it would not be good as uh, fans of this team. No, everyone would kind of look at this and go, well, that whole year was a failure. And uh, speaking of failures and speaking of the show and a lot to talk about, uh, yet another new segment here. And, of course, it is the greatest doll fails in Miami history. And, Chris, this is a segment that uh, is really almost like the whole impetus of why Perfectville even exists. Yeah. I mean, we use the name Perfectville somewhat ironically because it's just been such a hard time being a Dolphins fan and our you know our entire lives we've never seen them win the super bowl and as we try to celebrate the successes that we have we just said it we're okay with 76 and 84 over the last 10 years no one else i don't think other than maybe the browns and possibly the raiders would be like that's good um, we're the only fan base that's kind of like somewhat accepting of the fact that being eight games under 500 is better than we expected and that's because we felt we've seen so many failures with this team over the years and so many though so many that people have forgotten that i think it's time that a show this Mm. show in fact celebrate the many many glorious failures of the miami dolphins so once a week we will celebrate the greatest doll fails in miami history and the first one kicking it off chris is none other than a game that i referenced earlier today uh, on this show, and that, of course, is October 31st. Yes, Halloween 2013, Week 9. Now, most people look at this game. It is the Miami Dolphins against the Cincinnati Bengals, and they remember one of two plays. They remember the pick six that Brent Grimes had where he went 96 yards, ripped the ball out of the hands of the wide receiver, and was able to get it all the way back to our end zone for a, a, a glorious touchdown, one of the best plays he's ever had as a Miami Dolphin. And, of course, people remember Cam Sake, Cam Sake, Cam Wake (laughs) sacking Andy Dalton in the end zone in overtime to have a walk-off sack, one of the things that just is very rare, so much so that it's probably one of the the defining plays of Cameron Wake's entire career. People remember that because we won and how we won. What they don't remember is that game is also one of the greatest doll failures I have ever seen, uh, not only by uh, a team, but by one player individually, and it's a guy we just talked about, Mr. Brent Grimes. And, of course, I am referencing the (laughs) run that was like Tecmo Bowl-esque, Mr. Giovanni Bernard uh, taking a, 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 what was a busted play, Chris, from the 35-yard line, um, just gets up a, a toss handed thrown to him, and he goes down to the weak side, and he is stopped dead to rights for a five-yard loss at the 40-yard line by none other than Brent Grimes. <laughs> Somehow, Brent Grimes and Philip Wheeler combine to miss the most 
blatantly obvious tackle of their careers. Giovanni Bernard spins around, heads around all the way on the other side to the strong side of the formation. It is now just a broken play. It is calamity. Andy Dalton's out there blocking people. And then he scores. He scored on what was a video game play. And one of the worst things about it, Chris, is Brent Grimes didn't just miss the tackle at the 40-yard line. He dusts himself off and goes after Giovanni Bernard again at the 10-yard line and misses again. Uh, I mean, he had two shots, clear shots, to tackle Giovanni Bernard, who, by the way, who in the hell is Giovanni Bernard? This is the only highlight this guy has had his entire career. It was this game and this run in particular. Uh, it's one of the greatest all failures in, in history, not only just Miami, but just a failure to uh, play football on a professional level, in my opinion. it is. You guys have to go back. You can find it on YouTube. We'll play the clip of the audio uh, right now. But unbelievable, Chris. Let's just play this audio right now, and let, I'm going to get your thoughts on this because this is just one of the most disturbingly bad plays I have ever seen in my life. So here we go. Dalton so far. Here's the toss to Bernard. Whoa. Got away from Grimes, trying to go the other way, and he's got blockers, including his quarterback, Giovanni Bernard, weaving his way for the Bengals. He might take it. Touchdown, Cincinnati. Holy mackerel. <laughs> Sam, it's one of the most epitome of... The worst plays I've ever seen in my life from a defensive standpoint, considering I played um, linebacker, um, Philip Wheeler had him dead to rights. Like there is no easier tackle than that. He ran in. Giovanni Bernard is not a big guy. He's not a big running back. He had no he was not coming. He was going towards the sideline. It was a sweep to the right. Um, Philip Wheeler fills the it looks like the A or B gap, depending on the defensive formation, feels like he's supposed to do, and completely guns right towards the sideline. And Giovanni Bernard hits the uh, hits the brakes, and he over pursues. Um, then Vernon misses. Then he goes to the outside, and then Brent Grimes unceremoniously just kind of jogs towards the play. Like he's not even aggressive about it, Sam. He's just like, hey. If he cuts back this way, I'm totally here to make this play, make up for the miss I had earlier. I'm going to be the hero here. Oh, whoops, slipped, missed the tackle again. In the meantime, Rashad Jones has him dead to rights, and Brent Grimes, like, takes out his knees. He he chop blocks his own player, Rashad Jones, and Giovanni Bernard is like, thank you. Uh, So it's like 12 against 10 at this point because Brent Grimes is slipping all over the place like he's on roller skates and uh, misses two tackles in the same play. That is unbelievable, and I really wish I can go back in a timestamp and see how Miko Grimes made that Ryan Tannehill's fault. Yeah, I mean, clearly that's Ryan Tannehill's fault. But uh, th- it is unbelievable to me that Brent Grimes, the only player he tackled on that play was, was Rashad, Rashad Jones. Jones. Like, that's and it. Technically, Philip Wheeler. Like, he just, like, got in everybody's way. He was completely just, unbelievable. He had money on the Bengals winning that game. That's the only <laughs> conclusion I can come with. Because Brent Grimes, now he's not, you know, nobody's going to mistake him for Lawrence Taylor when it comes to a tackling ability, but he was not that bad. The, the thing with Brent Grimes, he was always slipping. He, it's almost like he needed, you know, bigger spikes or something but jesus christ i mean even alendo mari like he used his cleats like yeah. he's just constantly slipping alendo mari might be our kicker this year by the way uh going <laughs> back to earlier i take him honestly i met the guy he's nice him and rob conrad oh there you go but uh here's the deal like it's not just brent grimes you you mentioned it philip wheeler 
should have had him. Oh. Olivier Vernon should have had him. At one point, I'm pretty sure Jason Trusnick, yes, Jason Trusnick ran in from the sidelines because he was so frustrated that his teammates <laughs> couldn't hit anybody that he's like, fuck it, I'll try it. Let's try, you know, I'll just run out there. And then he missed. Like, it was an unbelievable, it was like watching little kids play football, yeah. you know, when they're like seven years old. And you're like, oh, look how cute. They're, they're pretending to play football. That's what the Miami Dolphins were on that play. They were pretending to play football. I can't believe any, any, player on that field with an aqua jersey made over a hundred dollars for that game like i i cannot even believe that they earn money to play football to play this game like philip wheeler oh god just hearing that name sam i can't believe first of all that it's been five years since that game like it yeah. feel like that was like last season um but him coming in if you watch i i coach linebackers on my defense in my nine and ten year old league um that's exactly what I tell him to do is to fill like he did. Like it was absolutely perfect. Like textbook fill by the linebacker. But then he just like doesn't break down nothing, runs directly past Giovanni Bernard, who is like half his size. He can easily just wrap up and just take gently to the ground if he wanted to, if he didn't want to get too rough with them. But then to see like the flow of motion, it was just unbelievable um, to see all the missed tackles. Everybody, Olivier, Olivier Vernon, Rashad Jones getting taken out. I could just see him getting up and yelling at Brett Grimes. I can't even imagine. Um, but the worst part of it all, honestly, is Brett Grimes' lack of effort after he missed the tackle. You'd think like, oh shit, I just got embarrassed on national TV on a holiday. Like I'm going to like, fly my ass down there and make this play. He is just, just watch 21 the entire time. He is half ass jogging. Doesn't even care. I'm here, I guess, in case he runs towards me or in case somebody misses, I'll clean up the mess. And then misses again and takes out Rashad Jones. Like it's just unbelievable that he just, it's just the worst play, worst football player that he's ever made probably in his career counting Pee Wee. It is one of the worst plays ever, and they, you're right. He's jogging like he just got, you know, uh, an, an intentional walk, like you know, like that when they yeah. just kind of jog down the first base. Exactly. You, you think he'd be getting up like pissed off at himself that he missed that tackle or that he fucked up and you know made Philip Wheeler miss that he'd be running down there and try to hit him as much as possible. But instead, he's kind of taking his time, like you said, all lackadaisical. And I'm just thinking, you know, maybe he's calling a shot. He's like, okay, look, my best opportunity is if he cuts back, I'll hit him right here. So I'm just going to kind of like bide my time and 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 make sure that I'm in the right spot and get at the right angle. But then he just completely slip slides and knocks out Rashad Jones, and he just kind of like it was like watching the football equivalent of the Wiley Wiley Coyote Coyote and the Roadrunner, and Giovanni Giovanni Bernard was the Roadrunner in this scenario, and we just kept dropping the anvil in our own head. Man, it is it is a classic doll fail in my opinion. I can't believe we won that game, and honestly, um, Lamar Miller is probably thanking his lucky stars that. Oh. Our defense made that such a horrible play. I mean, because he would be the doll fail of that game. Do you remember he, that long run and his random fumble from a ghost? Like Patrick Swayze made him fumble? I remember. He sneezed and just kicked the ball out yeah. after running like 82 yards and on his way to pay dirt. And all of a sudden was just like, I don't want this anymore. I'm bored. And then just threw the ball in the air and let the Bengals pick it up. Yeah, he absolutely on the offensive side would have gotten the doll fail of the, of the, of the, of the, of the week, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but no, amazing this, run. This one. Amazing run. He's, he's making people miss. He's gone. His speed, he, no one's catching him. Uh, I remember going crazy with my dad and brother we're watching the game Halloween night everybody's over we're like in makeup and costumes and shit after going trick-or-treating with our kids and then like we're going nuts and then you're immediately at a zero like you you can't believe it how did he fumble only us like that it would only happen to us Sam and he like I said he's lucky the defense had that huge gaffe and especially Brent Grimes um, because he would totally be remembered for that and he would not want to be 
Yeah, I think they're all lucky that Cam Wake decided that he had enough of this <laughs> bullshit and just ended this game when he did because otherwise this would have been one of those things that people memorized or you know remembered way more than they do. Uh, but that is it. That is it, man. That's a, a solid first entry into the Dolph Fails, greatest Dolph Fails in Miami Dolphins history. Uh, Chris, you ready for three and out? I am ready for three and out. And and real quick before um, we get to three and out, I want to I want to call out somebody, Sam. I want to call out. Um, our Twitter follower, this is who I'm going to call out, is Raceling, um, because he just tweeted that we would not be tweeting mid-show. Uh, and by the way, I'm recording myself right now, ah. uh, just as proof that we are recording Perfectville, Raceling, hello. Um, and I'm going to tweet this video out, and you will hear the accompanying audio to the episode when we release it. So, fuck you. Fake news, my ass. <laughs> we are recording right now. What's up, bitch? Well, I'm glad you're doing that. But in uh, in all fairness to him and the others, uh, I think we've tweeted out at least four times in the last couple of weeks that we were recording. And then for various reasons, we have not released those recordings. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we are able to release these ones. But uh, no, I, you know what? I, I, I'm just passionate that our citizens are still uh, hanging in there with us after our long summer break. But uh, our long national nightmare is over. We are in the middle of recording. Everything is recording correctly. All of the equipment is working beautifully, um, which is why it's time for our last new segment of Perfectville, uh, something we like to call three and out. And what this is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is uh, we talk about the Miami Dolphins every single episode, every single week. That is never going to change. We are Miami Dolph fans. If you haven't figured that out by now, I don't know what rock you've been living under. Uh, but we do like football in general. And we know that there's other things that are going on in the NFL and in football in just life uh, that may indirectly affect the Miami Dolphins. And we don't want to erase that. We don't want to forget about that. We don't want to ignore that. So what we're doing is we're taking three topics from around the league that we've just cherry picked out to, to just throw at each other uh, back and forth. Chris will pick one. I will pick one. He will pick one. Three topics and then we're out. Uh, hence three and out. So Chris, why don't you get us started here? What is the first topic of three and out? First topic, Sam, are the Pittsburgh Steelers really going to let one of the greatest running backs in this generation walk after next season, Le'Veon Bell? I don't know. I have not really been following that one too closely, but it does seem like there's a little bit of tension on both sides. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Jarvis Landry and the Miami mm. Dolphins. This seems to be a pissing contest at this point, and I don't think Le'Veon Bell wants to get into a pissing contest because somebody will then take that piss, test it, and then he'll get suspended for marijuana. But that's <laughs> not the point. The point is they, meaning the Pittsburgh Steelers, have always gotten rid of a player just in the nick of time. Uh, if I'm going to trust either Le'Veon Bell or the Steelers, I am trusting the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, and everybody else. But uh, what say you, well, man? What uh, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, it's funny you said that. The uh, agent, Adam Schefter, just tweeted, agent for Le'Veon Bell has come out and said that 2018 will be his last season as the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are not able to reach a long-term deal. Um, he will play under the franchise tag, and then he will test the free agent waters next year. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Jarvis Landry, albeit uh, Le'Veon Bell is more successful. I think we both agree. Yes. He's a more successful play- player in the league. Um, but running backs just seem like a dime a dozen. Like you got to think about it. It's like we can b- both agree. Le'Veon Bell is an amazing, amazing player. Like he's just unbelievable. His vision, his his moves are fantastic. And catch ball out of the backfield. Uh, but how many Super Bowls have they won with him? You know, you know. You look at the Eagles and they bring in Legarrette Blunt. They bring in Jai. Like you look at the Patriots, who have their running backs been when they won Super Bowls. It, it, there's more than that position 
and I see the Steelers' point of view, where they come from it, it, it is just a tough pill to swallow when you have that, that great player on your team. Yeah, I mean, I just, like you said, they are a dime a dozen. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, you know what this reminded me of? This reminds me a lot of NBA free agency where you're starting to see Mm. players just come out and say, you know what, I don't care who you trade me to or what you want to do for me. Uh, Next year, I'm going to go play for this team. Very similar to what Kawhi Leonard has said about the Los Angeles Lakers and next season when he's a free agent. It seems like you're starting to see a pattern of the players understanding that when they are a name, when they are an actual brand, like a Le'Veon Bell, like a Kawhi Leonard in in the NBA, that they have the ability to to kind of call the shots in terms of somewhat saying, look, this is what's going to happen, and and then from here on out, I'm going to control my own destiny. Um, That may happen, but I think Le'Veon Bell and Pittsburgh Steelers, the cooler heads will prevail, um, and eventually he will probably sign some sort of contract with the Steelers because I think this is a lot of posturing. This is him trying to get you know a a bigger, better contract, and I think the Steelers right now aren't willing to do it, but all it takes is one injury, one want something to happen to Big Ben or somebody else and all of a sudden you know what we need Le'Veon Bell back in the mix everybody makes nice with each other and everyone moves on all right second down there it is so uh second down uh Richie Incognito yes that Richie Incognito is named ambassador of an anti-bullying non-profit group have you heard about this Chris Give me a fucking break. That's a joke, right? No, it is not a joke. I wish I was joking. I am a stand-up comedian, and I have never written material this good in my <laughs> life. Richie Incognito was announced last Friday as the first national ambassador of an anti-bullying organization based in Los Angeles. Boo to Bullying, a nonprofit group founded in 2011 with a mission of outreach, education, mentoring, inspiration, and support for our youth and their families, said Incognito will be introduced at an event later this month. Obviously, as a doll fan, we understand that back in 2013, Incognito uh, was basically the whole reason for Bullygate and him uh, really just harassing players, Jonathan Martin in particular, and others with uh, verbal, physical abuse, everything going on. Uh, it has been just, uh, what do you make of Richie Incognito hmm. being the ambassador for Boo to Bullying? Sam, honestly, I, I still feel like you're pulling my leg. Like, there's no way that's an actual story. I want you to tweet it or email it to me so I can read it uh, for I, my I, own. I will. Um, it's, it's, this is actually a link from ESPN.com, and I would not pull uh, your leg because, according to Richie Incognito, pulling somebody else's leg is a bully move. So, no, I am not. This is a true freaking story. And, Dave Chappelle being an anti-weed spokesman. Like, are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, no, the, the best part is that in a news release last Friday, Incognito called bullying a national crisis. Yeah, no shit. And said that <laughs> you would know, bully. <laughs> like, yeah, and, come on. and it said the cause aligned with his values and added, I can personally relate to it from both sides being bullied and being accused of being a bully. Mm. No, Richie Incognito, you are an actual bully. We've that seen is your the text difference. messages. You're an actual bully. Yeah. Like to an adult that's a professional athlete in the same locker room as you, you were a bully. Are you kidding me with the accused stuff? Yeah, I mean, do you remember when he went nuts after all of this was revealed? And beat he up his bully- own car. He beat up his own car. That's what a bully does. <laughs> it's the only. It's the only person that could stand up to him. <laughs> if you go back, if you go back and look, watch that game that we were just talking about, uh, October thirty first, two thousand thirteen, you will see that Richie Incognito shows classic bully behavior. Early in that game, he is lined up against 
Mr. Geno Atkins. And what does he do? He backs down like a freaking pansy and lets Geno Atkins go back and just splat Ryan Tannehill to the ground. Why? Because when you stand up to a bully, they usually shrink like a violet. This is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard in my life. Richie Incognito is now the face of the anti-bullying campaign. Yeah, that'd be like Bill Clinton is, creates an organization to not sleep with interns, like yeah. cheat on your wife. Like, are you kidding me right now? It's like having a British dentist. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Or like, why not get a pirate to be your eye fucking doctor? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. This is bizarre. <laughs> this is the best second down ever. This three and out will not be topped. Uh, well, you know. Be- yeah, it's the only second down we've ever done, so it's of course it's going to be the best ever. But it is now don't third bull, down. Don't bully me, Sam. I'm sorry. I'll make you the head of the bullying campaign. But you know what? Uchi Incognito is knocking at my door right now, and uh, he's knocking on it with the uh, the tail end of something that he's threatening to shove up my ass. So clearly this anti-bullying campaign is uh, paying off for Richie Incognito and boo Hold on, I just got to bullying. Richie Incognito said, if I don't go to the strip club tonight, I'm a huge pussy and I'm gay. Wow, what a good friend. He, he's, he's not bullying me. He's just being my friend. Now, this is uh, this is what you get when uh, Richie Incognito is now the face of... <laughs> oh, my God. Next thing you're going to tell me, there's a reality star as president. This is just this is yeah, too right? much. Yeah, right? never happen. Anyway, third down, my friend. <laughs> third down. Sam, um, what would be the show if we didn't... Go off the rails, right? You said we, yeah. we went off the rails earlier, but now we're, we're really going to. And I'm going to ask you right now, Sam, is pay-per-view for wrestling dead? Last night, Extreme Rules was a pay-per-view for WWE. It was just a clusterfuck of nothing. Nothing happened. Roman Reigns lost clean to Bobby Lashley. I'm sure Raw is happening right now, and he's going to be the number one contender somehow for Brock's title. The Universal Champion doesn't even show up to the shows. There's a random Iron Man match that uh, the crowd would rather count down the timer than actually pay attention to a great match happening with two performers. It, it just feels like creative for WWE is just phoning it in, and I think it's because they know that they have the TV deals now for Raw and SmackDown, and pay-per-views don't really matter other than the big four. Is pay-per-view dead for wrestling and WWE? Yes, and I think it's by design, and I think it's Vince McMahon, Mm -hmm. owner of the XFL once again, to tie this back (laughs) into football, um, has made a brilliant, shrewd move in that he is bringing everything in-house. As somebody who's a content creator like you and I are, as somebody who's in the entertainment business like I am, uh, the more that you can control on any sort of project, the better off you're going to be. It keeps costs down, and it keeps profits up, and that's exactly what they've done with the WWE, with their WWE Network. Um, So yes, pay-per-view is dead when it comes to professional wrestling. It's dead when it comes to boxing. It's dead in some ways when it comes to UFC, although I yeah, think they're, they're still they're, doing they're, pretty strong. No, they're dropping, too. Oh, That's there why you they go. brought Brock Lesnar on. I think uh, Stipe Miocic, who just lost to um, uh, Daniel Cormier in a heavyweight title fight, demanded a, a rematch immediately, and he thinks the Brock Lesnar stuff is complete garbage and it's just like for, for the ratings, but that's exactly what it's for. Dana White knows that Brock Lesnar draws, and people are going to buy pay-per-views because right now, with him as heavyweight champion, meaning uh, – uh, Stipe Miocic, uh, it, it was it was dwindling. People aren't buying pay per views anymore. Look, the the fans that want to watch these pay per views, the sixty dollar UFC two twenty six, where every fight could literally be a one minute knockout. Uh, people our age and younger than us, Sam, they're, they're, you can find them online. There's a stream everywhere. There's streams everywhere. We're more. Um, that's why the WWE doing what they did with the network. It, it just makes sense. Like I, I would not have bought. 
Extreme Rules last night for $60. But I pay $10 a month for the network, so I'll throw it on and I'll watch it. Why not? They know what they're doing. They're smart. Uh, they made a huge business decision, and it was at first – it seemed very risky, but now, I mean, Vince McMahon's a billionaire. Like, it just makes sense. CM Punk, one of his famous lines was that uh, during the pipe bomb was that Vince McMahon was a millionaire that should be a billionaire. Well, he is now a billionaire, and the WWE Network is uh, a huge reason for that. So let me ask you this, tying this back into football. What if the NFL decided to put the Super Bowl on pay-per-view, take it away Ooh. from it being free, and dropped it onto pay-per-view for, I don't know, 50 bucks? Do you think people Shit. would pay for that? I don't know if it's not their team. I I, I don't like. I, I, it's so odd, Sam, because like I think about it, it kind of like making that a smaller decision, right? Like, would I pay for the NFL ticket if I couldn't watch the Dolphins, or if I could just watch the Dolphins for free? I mean, put it this way: when I lived in South Florida, I didn't pay for the NFL ticket, yeah, because I watched the Dolphins games, uh, and that's all I cared about. I didn't care to see the Falcons play the Packers at four o'clock. I'd watch the national TV game that was on Fox or NBC, and I'd be happy with it as long as I saw the Dolphins locally. But I moved here to. North North Carolina and I have to pay for the NFL ticket. Um, I, I don't think I'd care that much. Like I don't, I, I, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of football. I would want to see it. I think I would try to stream it, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if I'd pay sixty, fifty dollars for the Super Bowl if it's the Falcons and 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 the Packers. Like I just yeah. don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, if the revenue stream would be um, sustainable or not. But I'm I'm really surprised that the NFL has allowed that their their premier event, which really is almost like a national holiday at this point. I'm yeah. surprised they haven't tried to capitalize on that and say, you know what, it's going to be a five dollar online stream or ten dollars if you're in a house in however much it's going to be if you're in a bar and just try to to capitalize even further. Uh, it would not surprise me if they try to do that in the future um, on some sort of you know hybrid pay per view. Uh, style thing. So yes, I do think pay-per-view is dying when it comes to live sports, especially combat sports, if you want to call it that, with boxing, UFC, and wrestling. But I do think there's an opportunity there with the team sports that are extremely popular here in the United States with regards to football, basketball, and even baseball to a degree. I think putting the World Series on some sort of pay-per-view pay basis uh, might actually be lucrative, at least for a couple of years, before people try to you know figure out how to circumnavigate that as well. So uh, that's it, man. Third down. We are out. Like Chris, Bill any- Burr says, Sam, um, how big does your yacht have to be? That's right. <laughs> like how, how much big money does it, do they have to make? How much money does it really take? That's true. And uh, with that, that is three and out, Chris. Anything else you want to talk about before we say goodbye here today? That's it, buddy. Good to be back. It is fantastic to be back. And with that, it's time for us to leave again. (laughs) Goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.